0: Social life, it's the Terran show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know. Cause it's a Terran show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Tarran Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Tarran Show. It's back, I'm back. And I've got an amazing guest. I've been promising you this guest for a while if you've been listening to the Big Brother coverage. If you haven't, then I promise you, you're in for a treat regardless. Uh, with me today is Caitlin Herman from Big Brother 20. How are you doing, Caitlin?
1: I'm doing so well. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you, Taryn.
0: Yes, uh, we, we had the great pleasure of uh, meeting in person uh, a couple we weeks ago,
1: a treat that was.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, I actually like genuinely uh, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, no, we had the best time. We got to eat some some food together. It was, it was <laughs>
0: some a- pretzels.
1: We had some pretzels together. We had our our first encounter over some some bowling alley snacks, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world.
0: Yeah, there was um uh, somebody on Twitter was like complaining about the fact that we were eating meat. And uh, because they thought we were eating meat and they didn't realize that we were eating pretzels.
1: What? First of all, first of all, are you a vegetarian? No, I'm not either. So get over it. Number one. Number two, we were eating like baked hot pretzels. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's
0: like uh, your complaint doesn't make sense in the first place, but also you're wrong. So I don't know where to tackle this first.
1: We just don't. We ignore it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, uh, Caitlin, you, you went on big brother. You are a, uh, a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you'd qualify yourself as a singer, but you have a, a wonderful voice. So <laughs> I would, I would call you a singer, uh, based on the video I saw. <laughs> uh, what else, how else would you describe yourself?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm a life coach. I'm a spiritual person. I'm I'm just very lighthearted. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like I'm a singer, I'm a coach. Like I'm just I try to be a good person. That's really <laughs> it. That's
0: that's fair. That's uh, you know, I think that's harder than people think it is.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I don't like to really label myself as anything though, because it's like, you know, we're so much without sounding like too deep, like we're so much more than like what our careers are, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I was just talking about how, uh, I was, I'm kind of like, I was in high school known as like the movie guy. And mm-hmm. then some, some, uh, the person I was talking to was like, wait, you're, you're movie. I thought you're like the podcast guy. And I, well, I'm also a movie guy, like outside of this.
1: Now. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, obviously podcasts, movies, uh, more podcasts, uh, reality TV. I'm really, really cultured. Really
1: uh- <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. It's like, you can't. I hate when people, well, I don't hate it, but I've been noticing a lot more that like people always say like, well, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a living? That's like the first thing people ask. It's like, how about we start asking like, who are you? (laughs) Like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, you know, what are your values? I don't know. I just feel like not everyone works. Not everyone has a job. Some people are in between jobs. They don't know what their purpose is. So like, it's, it's just like a, it's a temporary question. I feel So yes, now I'm a life coach.
0: (laughs) Well, well, so can you answer the questions that you just asked? Who are you? What are your values?
1: I would just say that, um, well, if someone said like, who are you? I would say like, I'm someone that gives love and, um, I value respect and family time and alone time and self love and body positivity and, (laughs) Democratic views <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things like that there you go, yeah in a nutshell
0: you in a nutshell so you uh you grew up in New York right
1: yeah, I grew up on long island
0: what was what was that like
1: it was great it was um you know, I realize it now that I'm older, especially because like I'm on my own and i have to pay for things and this and that and I just I'm starting to really understand the value of a dollar and I grew up in such a comfortable um like lifestyle that I totally took for granted growing up but now I see it for what it is and I'm super appreciative of it um I'm Jewish so you know we would do a lot of you know, holiday traditions. I grew up in a very Jewish town. The town I grew up in is called Plainview and people would call it Plain Jew. <laughs> so that was fun. But um super safe. Um just it's just a really a really nice childhood, honestly.
0: Yeah. So you, you you were like a happy, just regular kid yes. enjoying life?
1: So regular. Um, I'd say like honestly, without sounding like I didn't have struggles I'd say like my biggest struggle was when my mom dropped the bomb on me she's like all right Caitlin like your grades suck you have to go to Sylvan Learning Center and I was like (sighs) what and that was like that was like me in middle school like social suicide like now i have to go to sylvan learning center like the tutoring place after school like come on caitlin like it wasn't that big of a deal but like yeah that was really like the gist of it it wasn't until i got into college and stuff that i really started to like see struggles you know
0: yeah Uh, what did were you close to your to your family
1: oh yeah for sure my brother and i are 16 months apart he's older than me um Mom and dad, like su- such a normal situation. Like, mom was a teacher, so she was home relatively early, like four thirty. Dad owns a business; he'd get home at like seven thirty. Um, like, honestly, just like so painfully normal. Yeah. <laughs> honestly,
0: <laughs> what did what did you go to college for?
1: I actually went to school for music industry. That was my major, and I was an event planning minor. So when I was younger, I really thought I was going to be the next like Ari Gold from Entourage. Like I wanted to be like a badass music agent. And I just felt like at a young age, like that was so my personality. Like I could stick up for myself, like in a sea of men and like have a voice. And I felt like the music industry was dominantly male um, populated. So I was like, you know, I, I think I could do this. I love music. I love the industry. Like, let's try this out. So I went to school for it and, um, part of the program I did is that you needed to have kind of an internship every summer. So I was interning for Live Nation and just like a bunch of different like music business related ventures. And I really got a lot of experience and I loved it. But right after I graduated, I was lucky enough to get a job immediately at a very good music management company in New York City. And I made my way to a high position really fast And thank God I did. Because as soon as I got there, I realized that it was not for me. Like there was nothing about it that was like fulfilling. It wasn't, I was just around a lot of assholes and I wasn't here for it. So I took a step back and I started to look within and I was like, well, why did you want to do music in the first place? And I came to the realization that it had nothing to do with music, but it had to do with the idea that I wanted to one day stand behind a stage and look at an artist and look at the audience and see that moment of like a live show and be like, I was a part of like putting that together and, and making these people come together and have like a moment of oneness. So I was like, it has nothing to do with music. It has to do with the people and serving people. So I kind of narrowed it down more and more and then realized I should probably go back to school and get my coaching certification.
0: What were, uh, what, what in particular about the people who, like put you off, like made them assholes?
1: Um, I was just working for a re like, like a really, really douchey guy. Like it was the perfect example of like a,
0: like the actual Ari gold, <laughs>
1: like, the perfect example of like the actual Ari gold. Like, you know, he was just so like, like he would make me do things that had nothing to do with the job. And that was what like started to make me upset. Like, and then I would find out way too much about him. So he'd have me like drop things off at like one girlfriend's house and then another girlfriend's house. And then I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And then I'd meet the wife and it just, it was too, it was way too much. Yeah. And I just, I started to realize that a lot of people were like that. And I was just like, there's no depth here. Like I'm not, I'm not happy.
0: Was it hard to, to sort of make that leap? You know, you'd spent a lot of time and money investing toward this, you had gotten to a high place. Like, uh, it, it, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, courage, I think to sort of be able to take a step down. What was that like?
1: So, um, it's very common to like grow up on long Island and then To like get a job in New York City and then eventually move into the city. It's like this pattern, you know, you have this office job and that's just what all my friends did. It's like what a lot of people do. It's what people expect you to do. And I just remember sitting at my office one day thinking like, this is not necessary. Like the only thing that I'm nervous about is telling my grandparents and my parents that I want to make a transition in my career And that's it. They're the only, otherwise I have the balls to do it. I want to do it. And um, once you kind of get over the stigma behind it, you realize, and truthfully, it was the best thing I ever did. Like when your gut is telling you that you're not happy and you need to be doing something else that is giving you like kind of that push to get 10, 10, 10 steps closer to your purpose. And my purpose didn't, it, it wasn't ly- lying in the music industry. It was lying in coaching. And I don't know, I guess it's just like my strong intuitive sense that made me feel more comfortable with it. But I was just like, I'm doing this. And I realized in doing that, um, it was obviously a huge risk, but there were so many people that were inspired by it because it does take a lot. It takes a lot, but we're so stuck, especially like young 20 year olds. Like they think they went to school for one thing and they have to do that thing. Um, that's part of what I do as a coach. Like I'm a life purpose coach. So a lot of my clients are people that are in their young twenties that went to school, let's say for psych for four years. And then they're in some sort of whatever job. And they're like, I want to be on the radio. And I'm like, great. Like, that's perfect. That's probably what your purpose is. Let's get you there. You know, So it's about coming over those like fears and limiting beliefs that you can't do it.
0: And you definitely feel like, like you made the right choice. You're in a much better place now.
1: hundred percent. Like what I do right now, it's not at the level that I want it to be. And I'm, I don't really know where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm always going to be coaching or I'll transition to public speaking or writing. Like, I'm not sure what, what this leads for me, but I do know that stepping out of, the music business was exactly what I needed to do. And I still respect the people in it. It just, it wasn't for me.
0: So why coaching? Like what, what got that idea in your head?
1: So, um, I had no idea what a life coach was. What happened was about three years ago now, two years ago. Um, I had always been really intrigued with mediumship and, um, because I had always felt like my grandpa with me. So there's a really, really well-known medium on Long Island. It's not the Long Island medium, but it's it's one like that. And I was on a waiting list for a really long time to talk with her. And she happens to be a psychic medium, but I wasn't really interested in the psychic part. It was just the mediumship that I was like really intrigued by. So I finally got my appointment with her after months of waiting, and I'm still in the music industry at this time and the first thing she says to me is it's, it's an honor to meet you. And I was like, Oh, you're so sweet. Like, it's an honor to meet you too. Like, okay. She's like, no, no, no. Like you are, you're going to be like one of your generation's like most influential, like self help author, like life coach. And I was like, Oh my God, I just wasted so much. (laughs) Like, Like literally, I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? Like, I am in the music industry like I was in deep at that point. I was like there's no way like this is my life. And I literally was so mad because she was like, "Yes, like you are writing books and like you are helping like the youth." And I'm just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like none of that is accurate. So uh, aside from that, we had a really great session. My grandpa came through like in the most beautiful way and whatever. And on my way out, she said to me, she was like, um do you read? And I was like, no. <laughs> She's like, okay, well, there's a book that I think you should read. It's called um, Spirit Junkie by Gabby Bernstein. And at this point, I'm just like, okay, goodbye. Like, I literally don't read. So, see so ya. Yeah. I, the next day, was at work and I took my lunch break and I went into the Barnes and Noble in Union Square. And I don't know what happened. I was literally there to pick up a candle. Like, that's how much I don't read. And I don't know what happened. It was, a, a moment I will never forget. It was literally like my body, like pushed me up the escalator, and I stood right in front of Spirit Junkie. Like it was right there on display, and I'm like, okay. And it was like I just picked it up and I checked out, and I was like, I'm never gonna read this, but like it's fine. I finished it all that night, and I legitimately had not read until like I had I hadn't read in years. Like th- there was no reason for me to read. And I read the whole thing and I was like, wait, this is like starting to have me see things from a different perspective. Like I am so in tune with like what's going on here and whatever. I was just like, that was a good book. Great. Then weeks started to pass and I was getting the signs like crazy. Like I met a life coach and then uh, I was sitting next to a life coach on the train going home. And then there was like a little sign that said like, need coaching it was just like a whole like it was everywhere so i was like all right i get it i get it i get it so then i just like looked into um certification programs and then i ended up like getting on the phone with someone and i was like wait i'm doing this like i'm actually doing this but i still never intended to stop music industry i was like maybe i could start coaching artists that was like what i was going with it and then eventually i started the program i got into the program I was like three months in and then I decided to quit my job because I was like F this. And then I went in full force after that started my business. What,
0: so what did the, uh, like you read this book, um, like what was, what was in the book? What connected with you personally?
1: So spirit junkie is basically about, um, kind of stepping into your truth and I don't know if it was just the, ideas it was almost like all of the ideas that I always had about like you know the universe and a larger kind of meaning to life like I had always had those thoughts but I never discussed them with anyone and I never I never knew that other people thought that way or felt that way and it was all there everything I had always thought like right there like in a book in front of me and I was like wow, like, this is really dope. So then I just started to read more books, like the universe has your back and A return to love and just like all of these things. And then I started to study a course in miracles, which is a metaphysical text um, that basically talks about how miracles are your birthright, like you're allowed to ask and then the secret the law of attraction, like it just got I got so invested in it. And this was also during a time where my anxiety was at like an all time high. So to find books like this gave me a lot of comfort because I was like, this is my path. This is my journey. This is my path. And it's it's okay. And I'm going to get through it. And it was just all really perfect timing.
0: Now I want to take a quick break to talk about RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar made with real whole ingredients that actually tastes delicious. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. They believe in the power of transparency and let the core ingredients do all the talking. And you'll find all of them listed right on the front of the packaging. Uh, you'll, you'll recognize it uh, from the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Cinnamon is, like, amazing. It's like the, the wonder ingredient put cinnamon on everything that's just my opinion but seriously it turns out real food ingredients actually taste good they're gluten-free soy-free dairy-free whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors there's definitely an rx bar for you no artificial colors no artificial flavors preservatives or fillers which basically means it's good and not bad <laughs> these things are great as a pre-workout a post-workout uh, 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 a travel snack, uh, uh, uh anything <laughs> snack. It's portable. It's edible. And that egg white protein stands out as a source of protein that is easy for your body to absorb. Arx bars come in 14 delicious flavor varieties. Here are just a few of them. Mango pineapple, apple cinnamon, which I have tried and is quite good. <laughs> I told you, Cinnamon. Uh, blueberry maple sea salt peanut butter chocolate coffee chocolate i don't even understand what that means and they've also debuted rx nut butter which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites fruits and nuts with each single serve package containing delicious creamy nut butter with nine grams of high quality protein squeezable and spreadable pairs great with fruit rice cakes pretzels or straight out of the pouch and listen to this one nut butter flavors, honey cinnamon peanut butter. That's those are three wonderful things, all in one. I've never seen them all combined at once, but oh boy. There's also regular peanut butter and vanilla almond butter. I'm telling you guys, you got to you got to try this stuff. So I did recently try, as I mentioned that apple cinnamon cuz I'm I'm into the cinnamon. I also really like apples. Turns out, really into apples. I like um I've recently discovered I I recently tried a bunch of different kinds of apples because I, I I usually just, I'd like to get any kind of apple and then I'd be eating the apple and I'd be like, wow, do I like this? Do I not like this? It seemed random whether or not I'd like it. You'd think, I'd figure out, you know, there are different kinds of apples and maybe that's why I'm sometimes liking them and sometimes not liking them. But I thought they're mostly the same, right? No, not the, not the case. You know what the good apples are? It's not... It's not, the, it's not the, 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 the Golden Delicious or the <laughs> Macintosh or any of them, except Cortland. Cortland are the best apples. They're nice and mushy and good. But the apple cinnamon are quite good. The apple cinnamon are expires. I took them with me on my uh, trip to L.A. to surprise Rob at his surprise party and then to Reno for the it up Reno. I had the apple cinnamon RX bars. Very good. And like I said, perfect for travel because here's the thing about the traveling, taking the bars with you, taking most kinds of food with you when you travel is a risky proposition because if you're me, you stuff your bag really full because you only want to take one bag and you squish all your food and it's not good. But when you take an RX bar, it doesn't matter. It's, it's unsquishable. Like it can be, it can be squished. It's all, it's all the the same. It's, 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 it, it doesn't, It just, it's fine. It doesn't, you can squish it all you want. It's fine. That's what I like about it. I tried to take these other snacks with me and they got all crumbly. It wasn't fine. So if you want to try RX bars, here's your chance. You will get 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack by going to rxbar.com slash taran enter the promo code taran at checkout that's t-a-r-a-n rxbar.com slash taran promo code taran at checkout valid in the u.s only and for a limited time check it out do it 25% off first order now let's get back to caitlin So, uh, when you were taking the courses, like what kind of stuff were you learning about like coaching? Can you sort of explain what you do as a life coach?
1: Yeah. So, um, the coaching program itself was about nine months and, um, it was a great program within it. I learned a lot about different types of coaching, how to coach basically. So, um, the whole point, people get so confused about like what a life coach is and it's not, my job to give you the answers. I don't know it all. Like I'm 24 years old. I do not know it all. And I don't claim to what a life coach does is I like, I was trained to ask empowering questions to make you realize that you have the answers. And, um, naturally that, and I'm especially good at it because I'm so intuitive that I'm able to kind of like lead in like the right direction. But, um, yeah, that's basically what I do. I, I help you realize like your gremlins, your limiting beliefs, like what is, setting you back basically in the world and how can I hold you accountable for moving forward
0: so what would you say like the effect is on somebody if they're if they're like uh if they just got a life coach like what would they expect to uh, you know I don't know accomplish or what kind of effect would they have
1: if you hire a life coach you could you you should expect when your sessions are over whatever you sign up for to be literally a different person you, you should expect that, especially if you're hiring a, like a very decent life coach, someone that's certified, someone that knows what they're doing. Um, if you're just kind of sick of like the same patterns that you have, if you notice either self-deprecation or just like limiting beliefs or gremlins or, you know, like I said, if you are unhappy in your job, a- anything that you would want to change, anything that caused you to call and hire a life coach, you can expect for all of it to End up the way you're that you want to end it. So let's say you came to me. The first thing I would say is like, what do you want to get out of this? And I hear I hear what you're going to say, and then that is my goal now. And I feel like life coaching is kind of like to have a life coach is kind of like a personal trainer um, at the gym. So like if you have a personal trainer, you go in there with goals. You're like, I want to lose body fat, six pack, whatever, and then you have a plan and you make changes accordingly throughout the time if things aren't working or if they are working. So it's basically like that, except for your life and your happiness.
0: Well, I would imagine similarly to having a personal trainer, it also relies a lot on the person themselves to actually make the changes as you're sort of implying where you're asking questions that they need to answer.
1: And my big thing is like, truthfully, without sounding rude, like I don't care at all. Like if a client of mine, like doesn't do something that like I'd recommend, like at the end of a session, sometimes I'll like give like a quote unquote homework assignment. Like, let's say I was working with a client on like self-love. Like I would say, like go into your journal and write like 10 things when you wake up in the morning that you love about yourself and 10 things before you go to bed. And when the next time I speak to you, I say, can you take out your journal? Can, can I hear some of those things? And you don't have it written down. I don't really care. It's not like That that has nothing to do with me. You're the one that's paying for the coach. Like, but it, you know, it helps them realize, like, wait, why didn't I do that? Because if you don't do those homework assignments, maybe that's just not a priority for you right now. Like maybe self-love isn't your main concern because if you really wanted to change, you would have done it, you know? So then we'll redirect. But yeah.
0: So how much is the the sort of spiritual element uh, applied to the life coaching from from your end at least?
1: Well, it depends on who my client is that like I will like get into it a little more. I have some clients that like really don't care for that stuff. So I won't like, I won't go there with them, but I do have some clients on the other hand that are super spiritual and super into manifesting. So like I'll do manifesting work with them. I'll do, you know, thoughts become things like how can we achieve this? How can we manifest this? There are, it depends on the client, honestly.
0: So do you like, can you sort of take me back on the spiritual thing to this? You mentioned that, um, that you felt like your grandpa, your grandfather, his presence. Uh, like when, when did that start? When did that whole spiritual element of your yourself come out?
1: Legit immediately when he died, like, like honestly, it was like the second and I was only in third grade when he passed. And, uh, my family will like never forget it. Like my mom was in Florida and my dad was like, Matthew, Caitlin, can you guys come downstairs for a second? And like, I literally went into the den. I'm in third grade and I sit down on the couch and I was like, and he's like, I want to talk to you guys about something. And I was like, what, did grandpa die? Like, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like I knew. And He's like, did you overhear me on the phone? I'm like, no, I just knew. Like I, for whatever reason, I just felt like the second it happened, I like knew. And I was so young and I was like, that was weird. And then it was confirmed for me. And then just as years would pass, like I would just always feel him with me. Like there were times where, and I know this sounds like really scary for some people, but like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like, I would think I'd like see him on my bed and like just sitting there, like, you know, just things like that. And I know are not normal. So I always knew that like I had something like that. I just kind of ignored it because like, what do you do? Like, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do or say or whatever. So I've always felt super connected to him. Um, and then when I started getting into like the transition between the music and the coaching, I decided to explore it even more and see like a spiritual coach myself. So I can get more in tune with, you know, the things that I can see or hear. And that was that.
0: So how, how do you, how do you feel about people who like listen to you and, and think that's all nonsense and like, uh, you know, the, they don't, they don't buy into it.
1: I mean I totally get it like I really understand it's, it's not like I'm offended by skeptics like everyone's allowed to to think differently it's I feel like it's more common to not you know agree or believe or understand what I do but I am someone that really just doesn't care like if My whole thing is like have respect. So it's like, I don't understand people that go out of their way to be like, well, that's just not fucking right. Or like, that's not true. Like you're a liar. Like, just like, it's not that serious. Like, let it go. But like, you just need to like respect what everyone believes and what everyone thinks. And that's it. Like, we all think differently.
0: Well, you're, you're like you're very open about all of these beliefs and, and, and what you feel. And uh, I, like, I'm sure that, you know, you recognize how some people might hear it, but you, you do it anyway. Like, you, is yep. that is that part of like who you are? Like you care about, you know, just like being able to express yourself like that?
1: Yeah, because the thing is, as much as I'm going to be hit with people that don't understand what I'm doing and they'll like bash on me for it. There you have no idea how many people are like, Yes, thank you. Like, yes, like I love Gabby Bernstein's work. Like I'm a student of a Course in America. Like, there's a huge community of people that do get it. And um, it's 2018 and honestly, I feel like a lot of people are stepping into this like world of like, oh, like the universe has my back and like I'm choosing to believe in like positivity. And like I, I say to people this all the time, like you could believe what you want to believe, but like I believe what I believe in and I'm like the happiest person I know. So we it's one or the other. Like you could you could choose to not believe in anything. And that's great. Or you could choose to just simply believe that like, you're on the right path. And no matter what, like everything's happening for the highest good. And I'm, I'm literally like, the happiest person I know because of it. So whatever you want to do, go for it.
0: I've always, I've always felt like happiness is the greatest defense against any criticism because like people can try and tell you how to live your life. But if you're like, yeah, but I'm happy this way, it's like, yeah, like what, what argument can, can defang that unless you're hurting somebody.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly right.
0: Um, so, uh, so like what, what kind of, uh, you know, you, you eventually you go on to go on big brother. Uh, mm-hmm. what prompted that? Like where, where did that come from? What, what was Where was that in the timeline?
1: So it wasn't, um, well, it's funny cause it's like, I subconsciously manifested it for like five years without even realizing. But, um, you know how I mentioned that I had to do like those internships for like music industry stuff when I was in college mm-hmm. the summer after my freshman year of college, um I came out to LA and I interned for my cousin's company. He owns a music management company out here. And he would for 3 nights a week sit down in his den and watch Big Brother. I'm like, what is this shit? Like, you're so busy three nights a week. Like I need to hang out with someone. Like what, like, what is this? Like what's taking up all of your time? So he got me into it and I started watching it and I was like, Oh my God, I'd be so good at this one day. Like this is, this looks like so much fun. So I started to watch it that year. That was season 15 when Andy won and it was a good season to start. And then, um, It was a year ago, November of last year, where I just picked up all my stuff and was like, guys, I'm moving to L.A. to my family and to my boyfriend. Everyone's like, you're insane. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? And I'm like, my intuition is telling me I have to do it. Like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, all right, we can't stop her. Like, whatever. So I moved out here and um, just started my business a little bit more. had some clients and worked part time at this tanning salon as like an extra job in Woodland Hills. And I started to talk to a girl that worked there and, she was like, we were talking about our love for Big Brother. And she was like, oh, I heard there's like an open casting hall in West Hollywood. Like, you should go to it. And I was like, that's a great idea. Because like, now I live in Hollywood. Like, what a very L.A. thing for me to do. Like, open casting call. Like, that sounds fun. And of course, like, no thought at all to like, actually get on the show. But I was like, that's like a good way to like, get out of my comfort zone. Like, let me go to an open casting call. Maybe I'll like, see someone from the show. Like, that would be fun. And then I went and... They never stopped calling me, (laughs) but it was like, I knew immediately that I was going to get on that show because of like the signs that started to come after. So then like, um, like the month before I went to the open casting call, I ended up airbrushing Chuck Liddell who was on celebrity big brother. And I didn't know who he was. And then the next day the cast list was released and I was like, what the fuck? Like this is insane. (laughs) So I airbrushed him, and then the day before my open casting call, I bumped into Marissa at the Grove, and she had just won. And I was like, and I, I was with my ex at the time, and I was like, I stopped him, and I was like, I'm on Big Brother, and he's like, you haven't even auditioned, like relax. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like I swear, like I'm gonna be on. So it was just like all these little things that started to happen, and lo and behold, I got on. <laughs>
0: were you ever apprehensive in any way about the fact that you were going to be on TV and like a lot of people were going to be watching?
1: No, not at all. I just feel like I've always been like such like a performer that it just didn't scare me. And to be honest, I've always like thought at some point, like I'll be on like radio or TV or just something. Um, So it was just very strange that it became a reality especially when you want something like that for so long, you're just kind of like, wait, what? Like, is this actually happening? Uh, Because it really just shows. I feel like for me to get on, it's like, it could literally happen to anyone, anyone. Like, you don't just have to be a recruit. Like, you could walk into that open casting ball and you have no idea who your casting person is. Like, you have no idea. Like, it could be anyone.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what was the, was it, was the experience what you expected it to be or or did it, did it surprise you? Did it, uh, you know, what, what was it like?
1: I expected it to be a seamless act. I expected it. I expected to win. (laughs) I expected to make a lot of friends to be like very like strategic and just the person that like made moves, but like also made it to the end. Like I literally thought this was going to be like perfect for me. And it wasn't. It was like the complete opposite. And it was terrible. I mean, the experience itself wasn't terrible, but like everything that I thought it would be didn't happen. And um, I'm one of those people that realizes, though, that what I went through on like such an emotional level was exactly what I needed in my life. Like I needed like a kick in the butt and I needed to be able to see certain things that I was doing or acting to grow and to teach other people. So, you know, again, like it happened, everything to every last detail that you could ask me happened for the highest good, which might sound crazy to some people, but it did. Like I had to say some of the remarks I said to people for me to be a little, to, to learn and to be more educated about it. Now I needed to act the certain way that I did, seeking attention and like needing validation to realize that, that was something I was doing so I could become not that person anymore. So, I mean, it wasn't what I wanted or expected, but it is what had to happen.
0: So were you were you aware of those things like prior to going in or did, did you feel like you were okay and those things surprised you?
1: I was so surprised. I was like literally so surprised um, because I feel like I always took pride as someone that was like a strong, like even though I was in a relationship, like strong, like independent at the same time, like. Um, like, I don't know, just all of the things that I did were so deep rooted that the only way that they would have ever come out was through something like this, like through something so extreme, because maybe there were moments throughout my life where I got like hints of it, but it went over my head because it wasn't like at such a big scale. Now this happens at such a huge scale that like, I can't ignore it. Like I don't have a choice. Like I need to address it and change. So yeah, it was, were, it was good.
0: Were, were you able to like find the roots of like where it started and how it, how it got to where it went?
1: Yeah, it was really crazy. I figured it out um, as far as the validation was concerned. And it's like not what you'd expect, but I, I really think that the validation comes from the fact that at a young age, like I always did theater. Like I started when I was like three years old. And I learned at a young age that you do something good like everyone's going to clap like everyone's going to clap for me so like i stand on stage like i say something right i do something right i sound great they're going to clap for me and i literally did theater and and stuff and acting my entire life and it it came out in so many different ways um sometimes i would feel like if i didn't talk in class like if i wasn't called on like i would get pissed off like if someone said the answer that I had. And it's like, well, why, why did I need that? If I thought I was enough just by myself, why would I need the validation of someone else saying you were right, Caitlin, or like very good, or like you look great or whatever it is, if I thought I was enough. So once I realized this, like once I got off the show, I was like, Holy shit. Like, I didn't think it was that deep, but like it is that deep. And it's something that then carried over into men, obviously, because the second I was taken out of, you know, a situation where I was with my boyfriend every day, I was like, "Who who is going to give me the attention? And I was like, sickened by that. Once I came out, I was like, I would never want like my future child or or like young girls that are seeing that to ever think that that is OK, because you should you should feel like you're enough. And obviously I didn't. So yeah, I like worked on that. Like as soon as I got off the show and have been, and like, it's something I still work on. It's not like it's going to get fixed overnight, but I've definitely, definitely like improved.
0: Well, yeah, well, uh, you, you were in a, a, like a long-term relationship up until this point. And then afterward you, you were not in one and you were, you know, sort of addressing these things. How did you, how did you handle, like, what was that like? And how did you handle that, that transition? What have you been, how have you been working on this?
1: Well, it was weird because, um, you know, you go from like being with someone for five years to just nothing. And in the beginning it was difficult because I was like, you know, I was getting a lot of attention from like a lot of different men. And I was like, it would be so easy for me to just fall into this and to take it. But I really need to be careful. And then I did meet someone that I was like, Oh, like, like, I'm trying to look past the fact that like, I think I should be alone right now. Like, I actually think this is a good guy. And then recently, I was like, Caitlin, you can't do this. Like, you cannot do this. Like you you need to be alone. You need to, you know, you, I owe it to myself. Like if I'm going to go through like a change, I'm only 24. If I'm going to be with someone, it's going to be for the rest of my life and it's going to be a fucking nightmare. So (laughs) 24 right now, like take this time to figure myself out, to be alone. I just moved into my own one bedroom apartment. Like I am relying on nobody and you know, it would be easy for me to just fall back into a relationship, but I won't like, I need to give it like a fair shot until I feel, and listen, that could be in a month from now. That could be in nine months from now. That could be in nine years. I don't know when it's going to be, but I just knew it wasn't like, I need, I still need some time by myself.
0: Yeah. Well, what, so what kind of things have you been like working through in your head to try and, become more okay by yourself? Like, um, you know, the, obviously the sort of forced it's forced on you by not being with anybody, but like, how have you been, you know, uh, like handling that and how do you work towards something better?
1: Yeah. Um, it's actually been like easier than I thought it would be. I kind of enjoy it. Um, it just took a little bit to realize that I like it. Cause like, again, it's the transition of, you know, finally being alone. But um, anytime I do feel like not lonely, but because I'm I'm never lonely. It's more of like the validation or like I need help. Like I did so many things for this apartment that I like I I made sure I didn't get like a handyman. Like I built my table and chairs. Like <laughs> I I'm doing all of this stuff because like. I I need to prove it to myself. And there's a lot of times where like I do a lot of like journaling and like work like that and affirmations um, that I am enough because like it's so important for me to remind myself, even though I'm living alone and I'm on my own and I don't have a partner, like I still need to remind myself that I'm enough and that like I love myself and that I'm worthy of happiness alone so it's just kind of the daily, you know, meditations or affirmations and I get like weird joys when I build things now. <laughs> like a an table. <laughs> so weird. I'm like, Yes, you can do it. It's
0: bizarre. <laughs> It's. I, I think it's rewarding. I think there's something like naturally within us that that's just like you built something. Yeah,
1: I, and I had it's never very primitive. Like this is so dope. Like I just yeah. table and chairs. Granted, it took like four hours, but I did it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, one of the chairs is like really wobbly, and like no one can sit on it yet. But like I'm getting there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because I, I don't know. I, I just I, I I personally have a lot of respect for you because Thank you. like you you went on tv and you know your flaws are 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 out there right like everybody saw you you know in a very vulnerable state and uh despite that like you have this resiliency and this desire uh to to improve yourself that i think it's rare for people to be able to sort of roll with the punches in that way and like it's something that i personally have have it's something that I had to learn, you know, growing up was like when when you get hit, when you get beat down, like the only way forward for me was to look at, like, how can I learn from this and what can I achieve based on what I experienced uh, and yeah. how can I turn this into something as positive as I can? And so, like, I, I think that. um you know, I, it's un it's unfortunate that the most visible part of your journey is the you know this this most vulnerable part. But I I think it's a, it's it's an important thing for people to know that like that doesn't define you, and you are I think more defined by how you respond to this and how you grow from it.
1: I totally agree, and like my big thing that I like to tell other people and I have to tell myself and have to remind myself all the time is kind of like what you said before, but like, how do you turn an obstacle into an opportunity? And like, that's every time I'm hit with something, like I ask myself that. And um, it's been obviously more often lately than it had been, you know, the past few years. But to be honest, like after Big Brother, it was like the darkest, most I was in a state that I would not wish upon anyone, anyone. And it was so difficult for my family and my friends to watch it because they're so used to me being a certain way. And I mean, even people on the show, like they were people literally were concerned for me. Like, what, how is she going to be when she gets off the show? And I understand, like, I seemed like such like an emotional, you know, cannonball in there that people honestly should have been concerned like what what's gonna happen to her and um I think that my ability to like rise above this was probably um probably the biggest achievement for me because I'm it's just another another step for me to prove to myself that like I am enough like I'm enough by myself I'm the one that got through it like by myself and in my own head and in, in, within my own thoughts. And I did it. So um, without going to that dark, deep, sad space, I wouldn't have been able to realize that I can I have the ability to get myself out of it, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I something that uh I think is is sort of being discussed a little more um and something that I've definitely talked about on this podcast because I've talked to so many Big Brother players about their experience and how uh demanding it can be emotionally physically and how it doesn't it's not necessarily in fact it's usually not even close to over when the show ends it it really transforms you for a a long time afterward and it's you you know not many people are the same person that they were when they went in there's something that's changed about them whether or not they uprooted their lives and, and changed everything about that um And, uh, you know, even people who come out and they're fan favorites and everybody loves them and they succeeded on the show and things are going great. Like it's still a huge change to deal with all of the attention and, you know, yes, you can just not go on social media or whatever, but that doesn't change the fact that, that it's there. And it doesn't change the fact that it's still a struggle to, you know, now I have to, I have to avoid the internet or like, I have to, whatever it is, there's some kind of struggle (laughs) there. Yeah yeah and and um i I, you know in talking to to you know former players i've always you know tried to present it as like you know i think the best that you can sort of view this is like hey i'm in this situation there's nothing i do to change it uh like uh, let me like look at this as an opportunity to grow because this is just going to be a challenge no matter what and if i can handle it if i can overcome it then i'll be stronger for having done it um and, and cause I know that that's like, and on a much smaller scale, what, what I have done with the podcasting and, yeah. and, you know, whatever sort of, uh, attention that I have is that like, I thought I was prepared for it, uh, when I went in and then I went through all kinds of growth to understand my role in it and, and how it affects me as it went on. And, and I think that I, I am a stronger person for it. So, yeah. um, you spoke
1: a little bit about that when we were together and like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that. It doesn't even matter that like there's no difference between like what you've gone through and what I've gone through, because like it's your reality. It's it's your scale of mm. it, it just doesn't make a difference, whether it's a million people or 5000 people that are watching you. Like you're still hit with that same feeling of like, am I doing enough? Like, am I a good enough representative? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not easy. It's not.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, so like, 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 like we talked about you in particular. You had a uh, like a you were in a particularly vulnerable state, and you had, uh, I'm sure, a, a lot of people. And and you've tweeted about some of you know the, the particularly crazy people here and there. Uh, how have you dealt with the sort of social media aspect of everything? Because I think that's something that's really come into the forefront of discussion with the postseason stuff.
1: Yeah. Um- I'm at this point right now where it's just straight up concerning. Like it doesn't affect me anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm seriously like not even a little bit affected by anything that someone says to me. That's rude. Like I just, it's, it's like you become numb to it. it it's more just sad. It's concerning. And it's sad that this is where we're at as far as social media is concerned. Like it was not made or intended to be like this. And it's just a shame. It's a place where people are supposed to connect. and like, that's really it. And unfortunately connecting doesn't always mean in a positive way. And I don't like when I see people saying terrible things about my house guests or just anyone, like it's just, it's not right. It's not fair. And again, I look at the things that people say and I, can visibly see a deflection in their own lives. And that's it. Like it's, it's sad. They're never gonna, these are the same people that are like saying shit about me online that are going to come up to me and ask for a picture too. So it's like, it's just really sad.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think like the weird, the weird thing about it, especially, um, you know, in in my circumstance, but also, you know, if you do any kind of, if you're making any kind of like money with social media is that like for, and and, like, so for me in particular, this is now my full-time job is that I, I create content and I, I, give it to people uh, and, you know, I I rely on their attention for my, you know, my income, my well-being at this point. Um, And at the same time, it's like it's this very damaging sort of thing or it can be a damaging thing if you uh, if you don't know how to handle it. So it's like uh, it's a weird it's a weird relationship to have between where it's like I have to sort of be my own person and think, you know, I don't owe them anything of of myself personally but at the same time I do owe them what they want from me if I want to continue to have this as a profession um it's it's interesting and it's something that i that i think i used to struggle with and i i've come to a a good place with it now at, at least uh you know while, while big brother is still on um because uh it's it's very easy with big brother because uh it's just like that's what that's what they care about and that's what i'll talk about um but uh but it's it's, it's i don't know it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing to navigate like how what what are your what are your thoughts on that As somebody else who's who's kind of you know you're not relying on uh social media for a ton of income uh in the same way that i am you're still a, a coach but like you still uh operate on on some level like this
1: yeah it's it's really hard because and i'm thinking of it like more from your perspective now because it's so true like it's not the entirely what you do but like imagine if big brother went off air like that would just that would be like really like a halt like it's not yeah. like other things to talk about but like that would be scary so it's like You don't want to rely on something else to like make you successful in your fields. But the biggest thing I would say is like truthfully to like take it day by day because it's, there's literally no point in me or you like worrying about like what our next move is when like, we're still in one move now and like Mm -hmm. the amount, think about how much happens in one year. It's like insane. So just like what could happen in two months? Like who can come to us like with a different offer or this or that, or it's just, I I try not to waste my time thinking about like how long I'll be on this platform until I have to like act on something else. Because for now I'm going to bank it for what it is. I'm going to monetize the shit out of what I can get. I'm going to get all the free stuff I can get. And that's pretty much it. The fact that I could afford to like pay for my own place right now and part of the money of my income is from ads. I'm down. Like I'm actually like, I'm cool with that. And there's going to come a point where I don't do it anymore because nobody's interested. So I'm going to cross that bridge when I get there. And for now I'm going to keep moving on with the content I have.
0: Yeah. And I I think that's a great perspective. Um, some of the early, uh, episodes of this, this podcast in particular, um, dealt with this sort of thing where I would just quit my full time job in order to do podcasting. I was talking to people like uh, like Eric Stein uh, about like, you know, following this and not knowing where it goes. Um, And, you know, he is uh, he had had been, you know, working on you know TV and and, you know, following his dream uh, at the time, too. And uh, I definitely need to have him back on for an update. Uh, But uh, but yeah, like I think that, you know, just this is what this is what I I've been led to, uh, up until this point. Like that's the attitude that I had that got me here. Like I, when yeah. I started podcasting, I did not expect it to ever go anywhere, you know, like this. Um,
1: but there was and- some part of you like deep within your gut, like your intuition that was telling you, like, I can't be at this job. Like I need to start this full time and I know it's going to lead to something. And like, Whenever I always say to people, whenever you're like following your truth, like what you think your truth is, it's not going to go wrong. Like it's actually not going to go wrong. So, you know, whether this particular venture works out or not, that's irrelevant. You were supposed to get out of that other situation and like start this. So, I mean, it's just like what I did. Like it's a really scary big deal that you that you did that.
0: Yeah. And, and that's that's sort of like, I think, the, the conclusion to come to, which is that as long as you are following, you know, what feels right to you and what makes sense to who you are, as long as you have a good sense of that, then there, you know, even if even if Big Brother was canceled tomorrow and, you know, nobody cared enough to, to stick around afterward, um, it's like, well, at this point, I've been podcasting for over three years and, uh, doing it full time for, uh, for it's, it's, uh, you know, about a year now, uh, or, you know, a year and a half, maybe, uh, you might say, um, and like that's that time spent doing this, has been more valuable to me than, uh, you know, than whatever would have, whatever I would have been doing has- otherwise.
1: That like you made the right decision.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, so like, what are, what is next for you? What are you trying to accomplish now moving forward? What is, what is your hope?
1: It's so interesting. Cause like my mind changes like every day about yeah. like what my next step is. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm in this state right now where I'm focusing a lot on myself, a lot on my self growth and self love and just getting myself in a place where I am able to close the chapter of what just happened on big brother and transition into what it is that I want to be doing. I still have one-on-one coach, uh, one-on-one clients. Um, I'm still taking more clients, but what this leads to, I'm not sure. Truthfully, I am manifesting a return on big brother this summer. So honestly, so like, I'm not, I'm not getting over committed to anything because that's how I manifest things. I act as if it's going to happen, which again, some people might call it crazy, but that's just what I do. Um, But I mean, I'm working on a book right now that will come out, I'm sure at some point in the new year and just like some other little projects and we'll see, like we will see what happens, but who knows, who knows who could reach out to me, who could hear this, who could hear something else that says, I want to offer you something else. Like, I don't know. Who knows? One thing I do know is that I will never be back in music. So you, can, you can count on that. Even singing. Yeah, no, we're done with that. We are done. I,
0: I, I, uh, I would definitely, I think there are a lot of people that want to see you back on big brother. Uh, what, like what would you do differently? Do you think if you, if you were back on,
1: like legitimately everything, except not like everything, because I would want to stay myself. Um, I would almost be like, I would want people to believe that I'm still like the same Caitlyn from last season, but I would not like, I would give off the vibe as if I'm like the same as last season, but I wouldn't be like, everything would be different. Um, yeah. I just, as far as like who I trust, as far as listening to my own intuition my own game moves, my own strategies, like everything would be different and everything. I wouldn't go into it this time, just thinking I was like at summer camp making friends. Like I would go into it realizing that I'm playing big brother and I want to win half, half a million dollars.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of like advice would you give to somebody, you know, is I think, especially looking at the way that you went out of big brother, um, f- you know, for anyone that, that did not watch the big brother season, uh, it was that you, you had to do a puzzle and you, you, you failed to do the puzzle in time. And that led to a very shocking, uh, eviction where, where you left the house. Um, and like, I I know that for me, one of the reasons why not that I not that I wouldn't do it if, if presented the opportunity, but one of the reasons why I would be hesitant to ever play a game like Big Brother is that I like that moment would haunt me forever is like I would never get over the fact that like blah, I could have if I had just done this faster or whatever, like I, not only that, but then it's. Broadcast to millions of people Who now know your deepest shame that you, is, that, is that you failed this thing uh, But you have Again handled it very well Where you like you're making jokes about it um, You know at the at, at very At the very least it appears like it's not bothering You to the, in the same way that like It might haunt somebody like me uh, yeah. So like what how, like, how do you do that what, what advice would you give to somebody who is, who is dealing with Any kind of regret like that
1: Okay. So for me, and I always say, thank God it was me that didn't solve that six piece puzzle versus somebody else versus someone like you, because I do have just like a lot of faith in my journey and in my path. And I was not meant to be in that house for one second longer. So when you have this like unbreakable faith in your own self and your own journey nothing bothers you and like again some people can call it crazy but again I'm the happiest person I know so it's like I knew that everything happens for the highest good everything's happening for a reason and I was not meant to be there anymore that was it so how could I be pissed or say like I could have done this or like I could have put this together or I should have or I could have like no that's just not the way I live. so it's like I wasn't supposed to be there. That was how it was supposed to happen. The fact that I couldn't solve the puzzle, like, and the embarrassment of it, like, I think it's funny. It was dramatic. And it was, I mean, it's something that like sits with me that it's like, oh my God. But then again, I also left in the most Caitlyn fashion I could ever (laughs) think of. Like, even my family is like, she would, like, she would not finish this. Like, because that is, that was just very Caitlyn of me. Like, I went, I went out in a shocking surprise, with elements of twist and excitement, like that was me. So um, I can't be Pez. I just can't.
0: I, I, I mean, I think it was genuinely one of the most shocking evictions in the history of the show. Like uh, okay. even production was surprised. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, yeah. That I think that's definitely a, a way to uh, to look at the uh, the the bright sides of uh of it um so uh so you just something else was that you were living with uh with roommates you just moved to uh your own place what was it like because i something else that i've heard a, a lot of big brother players talk about is that afterward it's it's very like having the other people that were there with you or even people that had been in that house in the past is very valuable because it's hard for everyone anyone else to like truly understand what it what it like was like, yeah. um, how, how valuable did you find that? Like, were you able to, you know, latch on to, to those people?
1: So what had happened was I got evicted and, um, you know, on week, what was it for? And Winston was evicted the week before me. So as soon as I was able to get out, we were able to, to be in, in communication. Steve was not speaking to me. Spaggy was not speaking to me. Fine. Winston and I had each other. Then the following week happens and then Rachel comes out and it's like, now we have someone else. And then two weeks later we were sent to Orlando for um, the hearts of reality charity. And the three of us were together and it was, it, I can't even explain it. It just felt so right. Like it, we needed to be together. We were all going through it. This was at the peak of like the depression and the anxiety and just everything that was going on. Because the one thing that nobody will understand unless you are in pre jury is just how difficult being a pre juror is. And not because we got out early and it's like, oh, we didn't make it to jury. No, we have to week by week, each one of us individually gets shit on by America. And then we get to watch you guys three days a week on TV. It's like, imagine getting out on a Thursday and then watching the show on a Sunday and you're like, they're still talking about me or like they're still showing clips and it's like, those are my friends. I was just there. I was literally just there. So it's the weirdest thing ever. And it's, it's just bizarre. So to have the three of us together in Orlando watching live feeds on Winston's iPad being like, insane. Uh, we watched the live feeds um, in Orlando and, At the moment we turn it on, JC is making a memorial of me on the kitchen table with like spaghetti and like my shorts. And he's like using my shorts as a rag. And I'm like screaming at the (laughs) iPad. I'm like, shut And we're just dying. I'm like crying at the same time because we're just like miserable and sad and whatever. And then we just realized like we need to be together right now. So um, a few weeks later, um, I got an Airbnb in West Hollywood with Winston we started it like a week and a half before finale and had it for like two weeks after finale. Cause we just thought we need to be together a week before finale. Rachel will come out and be with us. Um, and then we'll have time to, you know, if anyone wants to stay with us after, but the issue that happened was when the show was over, you know, people started to stay with us that had just gotten off the show. And I started to realize that I was starting to come to a place where I was okay. And then to be surrounded by people that were not okay, because these are the people that were in jury, was mm. really difficult for me. Like, I couldn't. And you would think, like, oh, you're a coach. Like, you could have helped them. Like, it was too fresh. Like, I do believe that I would be a really great coach to someone that is coming out of it next year or the year after when I'm out of it and not associated, but I. It was too fresh and I couldn't do it. And I didn't like it. Like I did not, I didn't enjoy it anymore. The only people that I feel like seriously so close to, like an unbreakable bond are Winston and Rachel, because we had that experience together that no one will understand. But um, I prefer to live alone now. Like this is a good time for me to be by myself. And it's always great when I can, I talk to at least one of them every single day. Like it's, it feels better to talk to them, but I'm also at a place where like, I'm so past it that I don't need to, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It, like, you know, it, it. I think even just like getting out of it and the show still being on, that's a constant reminder that you can't cannot, avoid yeah yeah and then once like the show play. yeah and then once the show ends you're like starting to to move on and get over it but you know being around people who are still very much in it would also be a constant reminder and like sort of drag you back into that that mindset i imagine
1: it was not good it wasn't good but um you know because it's tough you spend When you first get off that show, you're like spending so much time on your phone because now you're adjusting to like the fact that people like are talking about you. And all you have to do is like refresh your Instagram and you have like 90 followers and you're like, (laughs) well, so So like I was so over that by the time that they got out of the show. And then it's like you couldn't even have like a discussion with anyone because like everyone just like on their phone. It was like I, I didn't like it.
0: What's what's the adjustment like, you know, going to these events and seeing all these people all of a sudden uh, who, you know, want want to get your autograph and get a picture with you and, uh, you know, talk to you about whatever. You know, how, what was that like? It's, it's very my, overwhelming.
1: My first experience with that was actually uh, the day after I was evicted, you do press and I was sent to go do Ross and Marissa and after I had my interview with Ross and Marissa. I went out into like the little like waiting room before, um, one of the producers came and gave me my phone and whatever. And in the waiting room, like Marissa's whole family, Ross's best friends, like the, like other, like Marissa's family friends, like they all came and like they let their kids uh, come and like miss camp just so they can come and meet me because they all wanted to meet me. So like they're all they're all sitting there and taking pictures with me and asking me for pictures. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I just got out of the house yesterday. Like, you guys want to take pictures with me? Like, this is strange. So that was my first taste of it. And then as the weeks pass and like more and more people are coming up to you, it just becomes like nothing. It's it's not exciting. It's just it is what it is. It just becomes a part of like your life.
0: So I also want to know, like, what the difference is, you know, you live, you grew up in New York, you moved to L.A. Uh, like, what is, like as somebody who hates the cold and has many times considered moving to the West Coast, what is it like living there?
1: It's like energetically so, so different. Like, I love New York. Um, it's all I've ever known. You know, I grew up there, but coming out here it's like it feels lighter it feels um like I could breathe like it honestly just feels like pe- people are nicer out here people are a little bit more creative I feel whereas in New York and on, on the east coast I just feel like it's a lot of like business energy where here it's just a little bit more creative and I feel like it's a good place to be for anyone that's like in entertainment or. Anything like what we do, you know, what we do is so different. But like, whatever, like that type of vibe. Um, also, a lot of people out here they don't, they don't have a regular nine to five job. So it's like really nice to have friends that are around. That like, if I want to grab lunch with someone, like I can. Whereas like in New York, like everyone's at work. Like when I was just home in New York, I could not just like meet up with a friend like during the week. Everyone's working. Everyone has a typical office job. So. Um, it's just a different energy. It really is.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just, I just got an idea, um, for a, for a podcast, which is, uh, a Caitlin Herman advice podcast where people, uh, call in and ask you questions and you give them advice.
1: I would love to do something like that. I just don't know how to get started. I'll have to talk to you about it.
0: I'll I'll be your co-host. I'll be the other advice giver. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'll I'll come at it from the other end.
1: <laughs> that would be amazing. Everyone, it's like, oh my God, it's like these callers call and like you get to pick who you want to ask a question. To. <laughs> Karen. And it's like two hours of just like, hey, calling for Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there like, all right, well, it was really nice talking to you guys.
0: <laughs> um all right this was uh this is a lot of fun
1: i know i love chatting i'll come back at yeah. time
0: awesome uh i i knew it would be it would be fun to talk to you uh just like there's a there's like a, a level of, of self-awareness and introspection there that uh that makes you really enjoyable to uh to chat with
1: thank you i really appreciate that you get me
0: I get you. Uh, um <laughs> okay. So uh thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Terran show. Uh I mean, it's it's been a little while since I released an episode, but uh we're back for now. We've got a couple more heading your way hopefully. Hopefully soon. Um you know, I've I've been promising some some things and, you know, it's in the works. So you know, hold on. Uh, but thank you again, everyone for, uh, for joining And, and really, uh, as I talked about, you know, this, this podcasting stuff, I started it. I started the Terran show, I think like a year, uh, something like a year and a half ago. And, um, it's, uh, i've really really appreciated all everyone who stuck around everyone who's been bugging me for episodes uh in the last couple of months uh you know while we've been in in yadis uh you know I, uh it, it it's nice to know that people still uh, still care and they want these uh these things coming out so uh thank you to all of the listeners you can subscribe to this podcast uh on itunes or wherever you get them the taren show um you can tweet at me at armstrong uh caitlin where can where can people find you to uh to 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 talk to you or request your services or whatever they want to do
1: well guys if you want to tweet at me you can find me at kate coaching if you want to follow me on instagram you can find me at caitlin underscore herman and if you'd like to request any sort of coaching you can go to my website which is katecoaching.com under the tab services and i'll hook you up
0: are you are you are you like good at instagram
1: What do you mean by am I good at Instagram?
0: Because I'm, I'm definitively bad at it.
1: Yeah, no, I think (laughs) I'm definitively bad at it. And like, you can't be good or bad. Like you're just bad at it. Yeah, you're okay. I guess you could say like, I'm not bad at it. Like I'm okay.
0: Well, because this, this would be the first call in for the, uh, the Caitlin advice podcast, which is, uh, how do I get better at Instagram?
1: Well, first of all, do you even have one? Oh, yeah, you do have one, but you don't like use it.
0: Haven't haven't posted anything. Not yet. No.
1: Well, we need to start off with like what picture you're going to post first. Do you have any like profesh looking photos?
0: I've like the one thing that I use as my avatar and all of the things that I do.
1: We need to set you up in a photo shoot. You have to come out to L.A. and visit me and we're, I'm literally going to set you up with a photo shoot. You, <laughs> okay. You and donuts, like how I did money. I did a photo shoot the other week and I was like, okay, I'm not a model. So like this really can't be like serious. So I picked up like a dozen donuts and I like just like held them and like ate them during the photo shoot. Like that's something it used to be like you eating pizza.
0: Well, I I for a second there I thought you like somehow knew my secret, which is that I I love donuts. You really? Yeah.
1: Donuts are like my favorite, my guilty pleasure. You need to be in LA if you like donuts,
0: right? There's like a donut place around every corner.
1: <laughs> it's around the corner. I haven't tried it yet though.
0: Um. All right. All right. Uh. Okay. We'll we'll figure it out next time in LA. We'll do a photo shoot. That's how <laughs> so I'll get on Instagram.
1: Date, and we'll have a photo shoot.
0: Alright, sounds good. Okay. Um, thank you again everyone for listening. I will see you next time. Terrence asking questions, Terrence finding out, Terrence looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the terror show. So you will.